what was going good. on? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> We're both on the same. <laughs> What's up? Almost like kind of a delay. Oh, you know, just the same old. You? No, not too much. I, I actually, I don't think we're on a bit of a delay. I think it was just we were both saying it at the exact same time. Yeah, I, I guess I meant like we're on a delay in IRL. A delay IRL. <laughs> we both are. Like on our own separate delays that happen to be syncing up. <laughs> like we both seem, I don't know, did WrestleMania go late last night? No, actually. Oh. The thing is, is uh, with them not being able to do it in front of a crowd, they split it up into two nights for the first time ever. And uh, last night was only three hours. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's nice. In in years past, like it's gotten so out of control that they've done like six and seven hour shows, and I'm like, this is Jeez. this is too much. This is way too yeah, much. I, think I remember you telling me about that. Even maybe maybe around last year, whatever episode we were on last year, like <laughs> um, that. Yeah, and then there's all those. There's like a. a or am I thinking of a different event where there's a lot of undercards and then it goes to pay per view at a certain point? Is uh, that right? I, I think I think or you might be thinking of event? UFC. Uh, oh, UFC yeah. does that, but WWE does uh, like pre-show matches. Um, mm. But I mean, it, it's all on their network. So uh, if you're if you're watching on their network, you'll end up watching just two things, but you're gonna yeah. see everything. Yeah. So was it weird? Is watching? I mean, is there any crowd noise or whatever? Because I imagine like doing there's nothing. Yeah, like professional wrestling without a crowd, I imagine would probably be a little bit. If I could, if I could circle it back around to like doing stand up without a crowd, it's like yeah, you know where the laughs are going to be, you know where the break, you know where the applause breaks are going to be and stuff. And like without that. Like what was what's the pacing like? What is it like watching that? Um, I mean, you can definitely hear the wrestlers a lot more, so I think they have to be a little more wary. So you, uh, so you're yeah. not like hearing them call all the spots, right? Uh, but uh, you definitely hear them more uh, trying to put like uh, I don't know uh, the story into the match. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you'll so you'll just hear more of like oh you son of a bitch or something <laughs> or oh, a great story <laughs> right right <laughs> I mean that is a whole story his mom is a bitch and then she had a son <laughs> I get I get it I get it all <laughs> uh, but uh, on top of that it was it's definitely weird but I actually enjoyed it I, I think I yeah. went in with low enough expectations for well for night one. I mean, as this is, as someone is listening to this, night two happened a week ago, but it hasn't right. happened yet. Uh, so I don't know what could happen tonight. I don't know. Gronk could take a live shit in the middle of the ring. I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, that would be. That's why we're not talking about that because we don't know <laughs> that we don't know that it happened. You have information we don't have. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's another thing. Gronk is like the host of WrestleMania because I, I heard. He, he just signed a deal with WWE. Uh, that's insane. And he was just on The Masked Singer recently, too. I'm like, Gronk is just living his was best he, retirement life. Was he really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. God. The dude's only like 30. He's still He's still real young. Yeah. God. And he's going to take advantage of, of <laughs> the rest of his life, it seems like. The, they uh, Whenever he was opening the show... Uh, last night they did actually write him a really good line and he was like wwe came to me to host because i'm the only person with experience of starting a party on a saturday night and ending it 30 hours later Uh, awesome so i'm like okay that 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 fits very well (laughs) gronk is like if ryan lochte was like just a little bit smarter or something I i don't know what i mean there's a similarity there and i'm like why do i why do I think Gronk? I think that's what it is. I think Gronk is just a little bit smarter for some reason. Than, wow. Than I know. I, I think that's a sentence that hasn't ever been uttered before. Is, <laughs> yeah, I think Gronk is just a little bit smarter than insert person here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Had to be Ryan Lochte. Like Ryan Lochte, uh, right, like Ryan Lochte, I feel like it's just along for the ride. But Gronk, you feel like there's some sort of, <laughs> there's like, a, there's a, a brain like turning in, you know, there are gears turning in there. There's something there. Know. <laughs> yeah, he's making decisions like he has, you know, he has a, con- a conscious being. But Ryan Lochte just seems like he's kind of riding the waves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'm on a delay because we were up way too late. We're trying to burn through Homeland, the final season, while before our free trial of Showtime gets taken away, whenever that's going to be. So 
we we watched two episodes last night and then we were like all right let's watch the first 10 minutes of the oh, next man. episode which as you know never works out mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell it, you if you've got the free trial of showtime you've got to watch kidding oh i've heard yeah i've heard great things Dude, about that oh my god yeah, it looks awesome it looks amazing it's it's uh, so it's it hits hard yeah. um and uh just uh, be just be aware it, it might it might hit you guys a little harder um uh, so i i won't give any spoilers away but it's it'll get you in your emotions for sure yeah maybe it's not one that sarah would be into then maybe not and and we still have we're we're the real reason we're like really trying to burn through homeland is it so we can watch tiger king while all of the <laughs> uh while all of the craziness you know while people are still talking about it because we haven't had time for that <laughs> the, yeah, have we talked about that did you watch that i did yeah that makes me yeah. think of uh uh Jessica, she says that she has only watched two, and every day it's like, oh no, I've watched the first two. I'm like, you need to watch the other two. Because by, <laughs> by the time you finish it, no one's going to be talking about it anymore, and then we'll be talking about it way too late. Right, right. Well, yeah, you feel that way. I, I always just fall back on like, well, there's somebody out there like me who is just hearing about it <laughs> just now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like the, you know, we we like to th- like we have to be such on like the bleeding edge of pop culture that. We forget that, oh, not everybody hears everything immediately and devours it as soon true. as possible, and then it's gone. You know? True, true, true. And, and I mean, there, there's, there's, definitely, there's definitely the uh, percentage of people who are like, hold it against whatever the show or movie is for some reason that a lot of people like it at the exact same time. Like, that's the same, that's the exact reason Grace still to this day hasn't watched Bird Box. Because so many people watched it initially? Yes, because uh, everyone was talking about it. Yeah, because it became kind of a phenomenon. Uh huh. That, that's the yeah. that's the entire reason. Yeah. I mean, she, I always find that weird. Like you see the memes all the time. Like I'm in the one percent who have never seen an uh, episode of Game of Thrones, uh, and, like, and I never ever will. It's like, well, you know, I mean, check it out for whatever reason you you don't yeah you don't want to. But like, not liking stuff is not a personality. Exactly. You know? <laughs> It, it's the same argument that, like, you know, loving pizza isn't a personality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or like, uh, hate or like back when I was in high school, hating Twilight isn't a personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and to that end, for sure, loving Twilight be, isn't a personality. Right, liking something is not, you know, it's not a it, good. But, yeah, but it, it's, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a little more. Um, Don't let one thing for? define who you are. At least liking something is more endearing than hating it. You know, I mean, I think we're just drawn <laughs> to love true. as humans. You know, That's so true, it's like, true. oh, they really like that. You know, and it, it's not a personality, but it, uh, but I don't mind it. But if it's like all they do is, I'm in the one percent of people <laughs> who will never see Star Wars. Like, well, <laughs> great for you. I mean, look at all the people that like it. It, it doesn't make you interesting just because you don't. <laughs> You're obviously wrong. <laughs> first of all, I mean, we are outvoted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're outvoted. First of all. Um. Yeah. So, uh, I forget how we got on talking. Oh, Tiger King. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I I will catch up on that uh, eventually, but I don't know when. <laughs> I don't know when after Homeland. I think we got like three more episodes. It finally picked up. That's the reason because the first two episodes are kind of slow, and then it really is like the Thinking Man's twenty four. You have to like <laughs> I, I'm constantly saying stuff out loud. One so that you know, like Sarah is just on her phone constantly. So I'm like, I'm constantly saying stuff out loud when a giant plot point happens yeah. that I can tell she missed. But also, it keeps it straight in my mind. I'm like, oh, they're going. That's that guy's brother, and they're going to take him somewhere and do that. And he's going to talk to him later. <laughs> like I say it out loud, just so I know what the hell's going on. You know, <laughs> like I got it, got it. It is. It's a, it twists and turns, but I love it. Did uh, Did you end up finishing Detroiters? Oh no, I haven't even started that. Oh yet. I, man, I, I know that's a that's an on my own show, and and that's not going to happen until the <laughs> pandemic's over, <laughs> until I get some personal time back. Oh my god! Once again, I had to wake up at eight and you know tear through this episode that we're going to talk about today, which we might as well get started. On that note, you want to get started? <laughs> Let's get started. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about The Chinese Woman, Season 6, Episode 4. But before that, we did have some homework and trivia and stuff like that from the last episode of The Pledge Drive. First, we wanted to know about the street tough, which I I could just called him a street tough as uh-huh. kind of like a just more of a joke. Like, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you call him besides street tough, but it seems like such an archaic 
phrase, but yeah. that is how on Wikipedia he's listed as street tough. <laughs> I'm like, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> and believe it or not, that was F.J. Rio's first on-screen role. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way because I'm looking at his IMDb right now. Uh, at the bottom of that list was 1994's episode of Seinfeld. In 1993, he was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm thinking that. But then again, oh, wait, how IMDb lists yeah. things. That's the start of the series. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you're probably right. Oh, yeah, he was, um, yeah, never mind. He was in it from 95 to 96. So, yeah, okay. I was going to say, I, I, I didn't even know Deep Space Nine lasted that long, but. I don't know. IMDb is n- never really works for me. Right, right. So yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to look at his filmography right now. Okay, here we go. Uh, okay, yeah, Street Tough, all the way at the bottom. And then the next one is uh, Murder One. Uh, he was Reporter Two. <laughs> <laughs> Murder One, Reporter Two. <laughs> uh, he was Alex Diaz in Beverly Hills 90210. Um, then he was Muniz Muniz in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yes, Man. Enrique Muniz, the first character in the Star Trek franchise to speak Spanish. Oh, okay. Yeah. Man, for, yeah, ta- so the, the, for taking like three years of Spanish, and I can't pronounce the N with the <laughs> tilde over it. Damn. Um, so this, like, I mean, he's just like one of these character actors that just wor- has worked forever. Actually, I say forever, but um, he is best known for Deep Space Nine. He was on Prison Break for a little bit. He was on The Shield back in 02. It doesn't uh, ever Beverly look Hills like, 90210, which you mentioned. It doesn't ever look like he had any recurring roles. It's all like one episode, one episode, two episodes, one episode. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those guys, like uh, just one of those character actors. When you need reporter number two yeah. or street tough he, or or gritty cop, yeah. you call F.J. Rio. He was in 14 episodes of The Shield. That's his yeah. longest run so far. That seems to be, yeah, his, his longest run. NYPD Blue, he was on, like, one episode of 24. He did Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. He did, like, three episodes of Boston Public. It looks his like... last credit was in 2012 in yeah. Southland, another cop show. I've never I've never heard of... Oh, wait, no. Did I hear of Southland? One of the guys know. from the OC was on it. Um, what's his name? The oh, one that's yeah. Tamari- or with Marina back right now. I don't know if they're married yet. That's right. And something or other. There was a there was another like TNT cop show around the same time. Uh, that actually, I think Southland might have replaced called Memphis Beat with Jason Lee. Oh, I, that sounds familiar. I don't know if you remember this, but I actually really liked that show, and it got canceled after like a single season. And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, it does sound familiar. I, I either meant to watch it or wanted to because I like Jason Lee, uh, and that so that would have caught my eye. But I don't, I don't remember check if I checked it out or not. It didn't make an impact if I did. <laughs> but I think my sister. I'm for some reason I'm thinking that my sister watched it and was telling me like, oh yeah, you're gonna like it or whatever. But I never did. <laughs> but yeah, so this guy is just, I mean, Mister Mister Cop Actor. You know, basically, it seems like he's in a lot of stuff as or around the law enforcement you know genre yeah so i I don't know what we're we're looking i guess to see if he had any theater experience and unfortunately there's not much on his on his background you know like he doesn't have a biography on any page that i was able to find so yeah so i'd love to know if that's where he came up through but i I don't i i don't i don't think it was i'm starting to think that maybe his street tough role was just him never having acted before (laughs) and he's just like well obviously i have to be loud and very over the top i mean maybe it was like from you know the the bit of acting you can get in high school you know maybe it was like high school drama acting you know maybe maybe (laughs) or college acting whatever i mean which may be a little maybe a little better but again we don't know we don't know anything about fj rio it's crazy. Even the Star Trek Deep Space Nine wiki didn't have much information on him. Wow. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. I was shocked. Uh, I, I mean, the Star Trek fandom, I mean, it's supposed to be obsessive, but oh well. We also wanted to know about Chemical Bank, and I did a real deep dive on Chemical Bank. Oh, God. Okay. And, uh, you're not going belie- to believe what I found, though. I'm, I'm still shocked about this. So Chemical Bank was headquartered in was a bank headquartered in New York City from 1824 until 1996, and at the end of 1995, it was the third largest bank in America. What? Yeah, with 183 billion in assets and more than 39,000 employees around the world, and I'd never heard of it. Oh my god! The third biggest bank, and I could name like 12 banks before I'd get to Chemical Bank, and because I never heard of it, right? <laughs> 
Um, and so it's not to be confused because when I Googled Chemical Bank, I was like, oh, wow, it's still open. And only in Michigan? But there is another entity called Chemical Bank and Trust that's headquartered in Michigan, which is in the middle of a merger right now. Uh, and there's like one or two in Ohio and stuff. But it, but that's just a weird coincidence. Don't mix them up. Oh, my but, God. But Chemical Bank, basically, they're like an acquisition machine. Starting in the 1920s, they just started like eating up every bank that they could buy. And I guess that's the one way that they became the biggest. It ended with their acquisition of Chase in 1996. So Chemical bought Chase, which, again, is Good a name Lord. that I would know way before I'd know <laughs> Chemical Bank. Yeah. And But because Chase was the bigger name, but the smaller bank, Chemical Bank took Chase's name. What was once Chemical Bank is now basically J.P. Morgan Chase. Oh, uh, I guess okay. Things like that, yeah. Um, so it's called Chemical Bank because they founded a manufacturing company that did make chemicals, believe it or not, <laughs> like blue vitriol, uh, camphor, saltpeter. <laughs> um, Are you making and- these up? No, no. You're going to think I'm making something up in a second, but uh, that's why I have to go into uh, such a deeper dive because their their history is a history of hilarious, rich, white guy names. As I started reading all these, I was like, no. So it was founded by Balthazar P. Melick. (laughs) I mean, if you wanted to like, if if you were a family guy writer and you were like, oh, I need a bunch of funny, rich, white guy names for this scene with Lois's dad. You would just go to this Wikipedia page and copy them all down because they are absolutely hilarious. But basically, it was easier to get a charter to start a bank if you had a manufacturing company. So a bunch of rich guys got together, started making chemicals just to start a bank. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. Um, And among the bank's first directors under its new charter as only a bank, they liquidated the uh, uh, manufacturing part was Cornelius Roosevelt. (laughs) He was followed in leadership roles by Herbert K. Twitchell, (laughs) Percy H. Johnston, Gerardus Post, William Stebbins, Harold Holmes Helm, and I got to mention this other former employee, uh, Patrick Toomey. Now United States Senator. Wait, holy from shit. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. Pat Toomey used to work for Chemical Bank. <laughs> I don't know in what uh I don't know in what capacity. I didn't go that far, but uh, Oh my god. You know. I, I I was uh I was caught up that it sounds like Triple H worked for Chemical Bank. Yeah, Harold <laughs> Holmes Helm. <laughs> it's time to play the game. <laughs> I don't know which my favorite is. Um, I don't know whether it's Balthazar P. Mellick or Herbert K. Twitchell. I think it might be Herbert K. Twitchell. I, I don't know. <laughs> so many good ones, though. Um, and Chemical was among the pioneers of electronic banking. And on September 2nd, 1969, they installed the first automatic teller machine. Ooh. Yeah, which back then was called the DocuTeller. They had the first ATM? Evidently. Wow. That's what I found, yeah. All right. I know. So there's uh, everything and more that you wanted to know about Chemical Bank. <laughs> and uh, um, we also wanted to know if there was any sneaky product placement with all the candy bars and candy that is mentioned and eaten in the show. Snickers is made by Mars. Almond Joy is made by Hershey's. And M&M's made by Mars. Uh. So I don't think anybody was paying for the product placement because it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they played favorites like that. Damn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Could have been could have been interesting. The episode writers, Tom Gamble and Max Pross, were talking one day about someone they know in college who did eat his Snicker bars with a knife and fork. And then Larry David was like, put that in the episode. <laughs> um, and because Ian Abercrombie couldn't chew fast enough to finish a bite of Snickers bar in between his lines, he had to swallow each bite whole, which is crazy. <laughs> Normally, they make it so like you can cut and spit into a bucket. Like when you're eating food on set, like sometimes you're eating it, obviously, but most of the time you're able to like spit yeah. it out because... You're going to get sick of it because you have to do like 30 takes. But I guess this guy, he ate so many Snickers that um, he, he consumed the equivalent of about four Snickers bars by swallowing pieces whole. Good and he Lord. says he hasn't eaten a Snickers bar since. Oh I, don't know the, I don't know if Ian Abercrombie is still alive, but evidently he never ate a Snickers bar again. <laughs> why, would, why would they not give him like a spit bucket? Why was he actually eating these? I guess because he was... Oh, he is dead. He died in 2012. Um, I'm guessing because he was on camera the whole time and there was no, like, cutting back to a lane so that he could, you know, so that they could spit it out <laughs> and just have him deliver a line as if he ate. They, they didn't... You know, he was on camera the whole time, so he just had to keep swallowing. And then this is weird. This is a weird story. I don't know where it came from, but I found it on a couple different sites. The day after the episode aired, Ian Abercrombie was having lunch in a restaurant and 
the waiter came by and put a plate with a Snickers bar on his table. And uh, um, it, the story ends like this. Apparently, the whole restaurant was in on the joke. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that seems like something somebody made up, but I had to mention it anyway. <laughs> and oh the, apparently, God. the whole restaurant was in on the joke. I don't know why. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, after filming was completed, the producers decided that Brian Reddy, who plays the high talker in the episode, he did have a high voice, but it wasn't high enough. And so they hired a voice actress to dub over all his lines. I still can't find out who that was. I, I'm I'm shocked that it's just not Noreen. Yeah, I mean, there's no credits listed anywhere for this episode as to who did that voice, even uh, credited or uncredited. It, it was very close to, like, maybe Noreen doing, like, kind of a, a little affected voice. like Maybe. Just, just a little off, but, but nothing is... Uh, I couldn't find anything listed like that. Um, so... Uh, let me see. It's not Larry David either, <laughs> as far as we know. Uh, a number of sequences. Th- there's a ton of deleted scenes from the Pledge Drive episode, including George demonstrating high-pitched talking, Kramer finding his own greeting card for Jerry in the trash, and a lot of scenes of Nana riding a dangerous-looking subway, talking to a postal worker. Um, and there are so many of those, they're not even on the DVD release. Oh, my God. Where, where, yeah. where do they exist now, or do they? I don't know. Maybe they're on that eighty minutes of uh, whatever that um, <laughs> you know that we we talked about last week. I'm looking through one place I didn't look. No, I was just looking through the IMDb page because sometimes they have uncredited people listed, like where the credits would not, where the official credits would not. But I don't even see. I don't see anybody who is listed as uncredited voice of what was his name, Dave, uh, yeah. Dan. Dan, that's right. I kept writing Dave for some reason. <laughs> yeah, no idea. I think that's it. That's all I got. All right. Uh, I, I did want to point out one thing. Uh, do you know uh, the band Every Time I Die? Mm, sounds familiar. Okay. Uh, one of their band members, Jordan Buckley, tweeted. Uh, he does a lot of like the artwork for the band. Uh, and he tweeted a photo of uh, a design he did. And he said, stockpiling ETID designs and cruising through my first chronological Seinfeld binge. I've seen Ooh. every episode a million times, but watching them in order, now knowing that Kramer was a drug dealer, it's like a whole new show. Yeah, you, I saw you tweet I, that or something. I, I'm sorry. Is is this a known <laughs> fact? Not that I've heard. I think it's one of those like <laughs> fan theories or whatever. It okay. sounded kind of familiar. Because okay. you know, everyone wants to know how he, you know, why, why he has so much money and never seems to work. <laughs> But I would, I've never read any of the evidence that, you know, he, that he's a drug dealer. Okay, okay, because I'm like, I, I mean, I even tweeted from the from the podcast account. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, it's, I, it's not something I'm too familiar with. Has he tweeted back to you? No, 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 he didn't. Uh, uh, but th- that's insane. I, I wish, uh, or not I wish that he was a drug dealer, but like I could definitely <laughs> see that being the case, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I bet there's uh, solid evidence as to that. You know, I bet you could build. You could probably build a case for it besides just he never works and seems to have a lot of money. Um, but I but I don't know what that is. If someone wants to write in and you know espouse that fan theory for us, do it. <laughs> <laughs> do our homework. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, if you do, you have any more like news bits or anything? Nope, that's it. Okay. If you have never listened to this show before, we are not a research-heavy podcast, uh, despite the fact of doing 24 and a half minutes of homework at the beginning (laughs) of the episode. What that is, is we like to run through the episode and let questions arise naturally, and then we assign them to ourselves, like like I just said, as homework Mm. the week following. Uh, If we we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email, send us a tweet, at nohugging or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Again, I have never seen these episodes before. I'm watching this show for the first time ever. Tim, though, has seen every single episode, but never in chronological order. He has been a lifelong fan for years, is uh, is the line that I always give him. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and we will send you a no-hugging, no-learning logo sticker. And uh, just be sure to either tweet us, uh, like like DM us, or email us your address so that we can actually send it to you. Um, I, I will admit I haven't been to the post office yet with, uh, the world currently being on fire, uh, with, with a, with a virus, right. but, 
Uh, I, I will get those out. It's uh, it's not nearly as much as I thought to mail stuff internationally. Oh, awesome. Um, with that being... S- oh, wait. No, we do... I-, I wanted to read one of the reviews. It was from oh. Joey Bag of Donuts 412 who says that he is loving every minute of it. I'm currently obsessed with Seinfeld, and I love any podcast that recaps the episodes. Great stuff. Cool. Thanks, Joey Bag of Donuts 412. <laughs> yeah, I believe he follows us on Twitter now as well. I, I think so. With uh, with that being said, Season 6, Episode 4, The Chinese Woman, original air date October 13th, 1994. I was one year, nine months, and 23 days old. And if you count this episode and every other episode that we have left, Tim, we have 86 episodes remaining before we become a... Uh, what type of podcast do we become this week? What's that? What, what type of podcast do we become this week? Oh, geez. Um, 86, a, 86 weeks until we become a... Homeland. A, an all-Homeland podcast. There we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, where, I just, where, I, where literally it's just like me... It's, I'm just recording talking out loud during the show where I just say the plot points out loud. <laughs> uh, but by the way, you're, we, we've, we're past halfway. That, that's what that means. Oh, my this God. This is episode 86 or something, and, or last week was. Anyway, we're, we're past is, halfway. It, is this, this is 87. The, is this the halfway point, or are we past halfway? I believe. Now I don't remember which episode this is, 87 or 86. Um, let me. This is 87. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. You're yeah. right. We're past halfway. How about that? Oh God! Wow, pretty crazy. All right, All right. is that where I, is that where I get into it? Oh well, I didn't do the. Oh, no, uh, yeah, you have done the stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. So if you're <laughs> like, wait a second. If you're looking at TV Guide, the night of October thirteenth, you're going to see George's crossed phone lines acquaint the gang with a woman who isn't what she seems. I don't. I don't dislike it. We'll see if we get to the end and we uh, have a change to it. And it starts with a stand-up bit about how chopsticks are so stupid. They're just about the stupidest cultural item that Jerry Seinfeld could even think of. <laughs> I did. Lo- I do remember loving this bit, and I, I don't. I don't necessarily dislike it now. But when I was a kid, I thought it was hilarious. That you know, it makes kind of a funny point. It's it's like almost reaches that part of Jerry Seinfeld's comedy where if you think one step further, we've talked about this a lot. Where you think one step further, and the whole bit falls apart. This doesn't necessarily do that, but he is kind of playing dumb, where he's like. Chinese people are still using chopsticks and, you know, a Chinese farmer gets up in the morning and he goes out to work with a shovel. It's right. You know, the utensils like fork and spoon have always been there and they've they've seen them, but they they decided they like the chopsticks better. And so, you know, I I always love the line. You're not out there plowing 40 acres with a couple of pool cues, (laughs) uh, which I thought was funny. It like brings it to an absurd giant level. And so I guess this wasn't so bad. Right? What do you think? Yeah, I I just thought it was stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is playing dumb. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't know why, but it's just like classic observational humor. And luckily, it doesn't fall apart when you think about it a step further. I guess because I don't know why they've stuck with the chopsticks. I guess besides of it just being a cultural tradition, you know, that's all. That's all I can think. Yeah, I mean, I, have, I don't I think no it's any idea. easier to eat eat noodles or rice with chopsticks than a fork or spoon. So it can't be ease, right? I don't think. All I know is in elementary school when they tried to teach us how to use chopsticks, the the one thing that really stuck with me is don't stab things with them. (laughs) Your classmates or the food. I think I'm good with chopsticks. Are you good with chopsticks? I am awful with chopsticks. I've uh, the secret I've found is hold the bottom one like you would a pencil but don't okay. use your index finger use your your two middle fingers to hold it like you would a pencil and then just kind of place the top one there and you can sort of manipulate it with your index finger your two uh, middle fingers yeah yeah so you know how you'd normally hold a pencil with like that little tripod with a thumb and two fingers instead yeah. of your index finger use the middle finger the and mi- then middle finger and your ring finger and your thumb or yep. Yeah, yeah, middle finger, ring finger, and thumb. Yeah, your two, the okay. two fingers in the middle. Yeah, okay. And then you can, and then that one basically just stays in one spot, and then the top one is the one that moves, and you can sort of manipulate it by holding it in between the crook of your hand and the index finger. Oh. That's that's the easiest way I can explain it without actually being in front of you to see it. <laughs> if it makes any sense, we need to move this podcast to Zoom, like yeah. everybody else and their brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we open at the Royal International Magazines 
uh, store, and all, they also carry stationery and sundries. Wow. And th- it's actually just, we're not going into this store. That's just the, the most, vi- I thought we were, because it's the most visible sign. Yeah. There is a restaurant next door to it that was called like La Ranta, and it has a number. It, it had the 405 address on there, and I looked it up, but I couldn't find anything. So I don't know if it was ever an actual restaurant, or maybe this is that street set that we've been hearing so much about. But it seemed like a real street, just a real exterior B- B-roll, but... Uh, yeah, Royal International Magazine Stationery and Sundries. But we're walking by. Elaine is struggling trying to carry groceries. Jerry is ignoring her plight and her pleas for help. And they're talking about how Noreen already has a new boyfriend. And it's, his name is Paul. And he is not a high talker. He's a long talker. Every time <laughs> Elaine calls Noreen, she gets stuck in this super long conversation. He won't give the phone to Noreen right away. He wants to talk to Elaine. And so every time she calls and it's Paul, she just hangs up. <laughs> and they see all of a sudden Frank Costanza, George's dad, talking to a man in a cape in the city. And of course, the man in the cape <laughs> is Larry David. Uh, and they say it's weird seeing him in Manhattan because, you know, they only ever see him in Queens. So it's out of context. They don't know what he's doing there. They don't know who the man in the cape is. And rather than get involved in all of that, they decide to ignore him and cross the street. And Jerry even asks Elaine to cover him because she's the one carrying all of the grocery bags. Yeah, yeah, so they can hide their face in case they uh, they see him. Um, I guess I like the fact that they put Larry David in a cape, but didn't change any clothes. He's still just wearing, like, just a shirt and, and regular pants. Like, not anything even nicer. It's just... and But the cape is very ornate, you know? It is. It really is. It's very, very juxtaposed. But I, I kind of like that they didn't put him in a tuxedo or anything. It's like, just a cape. <laughs> cape and then normal clothes uh over in the apartment jerry's apartment he's got a machine a message a message on his machine well, from george well, yeah well hang on before jerry gets to the voicemail uh elaine is carrying jerry's groceries this whole yeah. time it does seem like that <laughs> it seems like at least she's carrying they went on a joint trip because later on she's like moving stuff from one bag to another i don't know i, I feel like this might all just be jerry's stuff and he was just having <laughs> elaine carry it I guess it could be. I don't know how you talk someone into doing that. That's very nice. But I saw her like taking stuff out of one bag. I think she was like maybe you know she had some stuff in there too. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how. Okay, it, that, that's my guess. Uh, but I have no idea. Yeah, he's like, yeah, just throw that up there on the counter because yeah, then she does throw it all down as if she doesn't care. So maybe it was all, maybe it was all Jerry's, and that was just sort of like stage acting. Like I have to do something with my hands here. So um, uh, on the machine message from George. He's like, hey, it's George. I got nothing to say. <laughs> and but but how far ahead of George? How far ahead of his time again is George? Like, as far as leaving voicemails in 2020, like it, the only reason George left that message is so he would know that Jerry would know he would call. But these days, like a missed call is enough for anybody. Yeah, you know for, what I mean for real. Yeah. <laughs> so George already in the the mid 90s is fed up with leaving voicemails. He's like, there's got to be a better way. He's it's George. I got nothing to say. I just wanted to, you know, I just, I just wanted to talk. Yeah, like, just, just wanted to shoot the shit. Yeah, it's George. Uh, I got nothing to say. What am I going to say on a message? What, just call me back. Yeah. Um, and Jerry, so Jerry does call George back, but he gets Donna Chang. It's not a wrong number. Um, their lines evidently are crossed. But when he, when he gets to the first time, when he thinks it's a wrong number, he's like, oh, I should have talked to her. Uh, I like Chinese women. And Elaine <laughs> goes, isn't that a little racist? And Jerry goes, if I like them, how can that be racist? Which not only gets a huge laugh, but also some cheers in the audience, I heard. Oh, no, I didn't catch that. There was like almost a little applause break. They're like, yeah. Uh, All I know is (laughs) I need to pull the gif with the captions of Elaine just saying, isn't that a little racist? (laughs) For for the remainder of this entire show. And just tweet it every time we have a problematic episode. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to explain. I don't know how to explain it to Jerry that there's something there's something wrong with it. You know what I mean? There, there's something wrong with it for sure. Uh, but it's, I, I mean, he definitely thinks he's justifying it with his ex- explanation. Yeah. Yeah. If I, yeah. If I like them, how can that be racist? Like, I don't know. Oh, no. Just, it's something that has to do with race that you're basing something about a human on. I don't know. It's, like, it's, it's weird. It's, it's fetishizing, at least. That's what I just kept thinking through the whole thing. I'm like, 
at the very least throughout this episode, we get a little bit of cultural appropriation for sure, but you know, fetishizing, which mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not smart enough to get into the nuances of racism versus, or any, or, or anything that has to do with racism and fetishization of a race. So I'm not even going to try, but, <laughs> but that's as far as that's, but that's as far as I can go with it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even want to get into more. I don't even want to talk about what I don't know about <laughs> that. You know what I, mean? I, I hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> what I don't know could fill a podcast. So, um, all right, maybe we'll get in, maybe maybe more. We'll uh, you know we'll get into more of it as we get into this episode, and and we'll be able to. I'll be able to clear up my line of thinking, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, so yeah, so he calls George back, and it's Donna Chang again. And it turns out their lines are crossed. And so, but George, I mean, Jerry, uh, you know, takes the opportunity now to talk to this Chinese woman and Kramer comes in and he asks who Jerry's talking to. And Elaine says some Chinese woman. And then Kramer also reveals that he digs Asian women. (laughs) And he also has switched back to briefs from silk underwear, which silk underwear, I think he mentioned in the Hamptons episode, uh, asking Jerry why he, you know, why he doesn't wear that. But Kramer's like, no, I need, I need that support. My my boy's got to have a house or something like that. I think he said. <laughs> so he switched back to jockeys, back mm-hmm. to briefs. Well, no, from- he's he's saying his jockey shrunk. So oh, yeah, so I, I so so I think he is looking for something else other than his jockeys. I think he, but no, he likes he the- like he likes the jockeys. But I think yeah. he's saying that one specific pair shrunk. Oh, that one specific pair, yeah. But he still likes briefs better than. You know he couldn't he couldn't roll with the the silk boxers right so he's right. back on the briefs and Elaine tells him that you know that could lower his sperm count wearing you know boxers are healthier than briefs in that case and Kramer uh, you know gets very worried because a he's the last male Kramer and he's never gotten a woman pregnant which is a fact that Jerry is shocked by <laughs> I found that kind of a weird conversation like well, well yeah because jerry he's even like he even says well you've had sex with a lot of women and kramer's like i know <laughs> yeah a lot of women a lot of women i, I forget and, exactly how it went and he asked jerry he's like have you ever gotten a woman pregnant and jerry's like i'm sorry those records are permanently sealed <laughs> um but i mean this the the implications of uh you know I, I i'm guessing that jerry has gotten a woman pregnant before and he doesn't have any kids so um you know <laughs> There's another political football that I'm gonna. Oh just, boy! Uh, just uh, <laughs> just punt that one away and uh, let someone else deal with it. Yeah. Uh, so Jerry ends up having a date. He has a date with the Chinese woman. Oh yeah. And going- what, what did you think about his uh, his quote here? Whenever he uh, is about to call Donna back, or, or no, whenever he comes out and he says that he's got a date. Did you hear what he said? No. It's like my first date ever with the Pacific Rim. I'm very excited. Uh- yeah. yeah um and they're going to hunan balcony i think that's the name of the restaurant right was it balcony or hunan palace see i, I don't know for some reason I'm i thought i sure. heard balcony i'm like that's a weird name but yeah they're, they're going to a chinese restaurant in other words and elaine's like i thought chinese people didn't eat chinese food and he's like he's she's very assimilated and she suggested it because elaine's like you she's chinese and you suggested chinese food he's like she suggested it um and so then george comes in and Elaine and Jerry tell him about seeing his dad in the city with a man in a cape. And George is just as puzzled as Elaine and Jerry were about that fact. <laughs> and- uh, we, we did miss one thing before George comes oh. in, uh, in that uh, Kramer wants to go and get his fertility tested. And mm-hmm. Elaine uh, is saying, or no, yeah. Kramer's worried about it. But Kramer is like, I don't know if I could you know into a cup in the middle of the day and elaine with the burn of the century just says does that conflict with your normal schedule (laughs) yeah i love that (laughs) like a his normal schedule of doing absolutely nothing but b his normal like jerk off schedule (laughs) like it's just hilarious on so many levels does that conflict with your normal schedule (laughs) like i time this out in the middle of the day oh boy (laughs) So over at Bowen Fertility Clinic, which I think the Bowen Clinic we've seen before. Have we? And I think it's like, a, yeah, it looks very familiar because it says Bowen Fertility Clinic and then it lists all the services they have on the door and none of them. It's like they only changed that one little sign because all the rest of the sign, it's like more of a cancer clinic, it seems like, than <laughs> I mean, there is a gynecologist in there, but I didn't see anything 
because all the fertility. doctors are still listed and stuff. Yeah, yeah they have like they have like hermitology oncologists and <laughs> and all sorts of stuff, but nothing about for actual fertility. Um, unless that's something that a gynecologist could do. I I, I don't think so because. Uh... I don't think so. Like, I don't know if that would fall under their purview, but I mean, yeah, I would imagine you'd go to a, you know, a, a male uh, doctor. <laughs> I, I mean, not necessarily. Uh, it, I, I just don't think it would be a gynecologist. Right. I didn't mean like a male. Oh, like, like you oh, have to I go get to you. A man doctor. I get, I get you. Okay, okay. <laughs> because I think even the gynecologist listed is a is a male on okay. the, on, the, on the front, <laughs> but. No, I, yeah, because there's a lot of gynecologists that are guys. I was thinking yeah. that, like, you, you they have, deal you have mainly to, with women's anatomy, you, and you, you go have, to someone who deals with male anatomy. Yeah, you, you're saying they have to go to a dick doctor. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, whatever they are. Urologist? Is that right? I feel like that's even wrong. I, I feel like that's more... Man, I, I my ignorance know. is just, like, flowing through this episode <laughs> in so many ways. Uh, so, Kramer has got the fertility test. His sperm count is low, and the doctor says you have to switch back to boxers immediately. If uh, if you want any hope of starting a fa- it's weird that Kramer wants to start a family in his 40s, let's say. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. While he's not in any serious relationship. Right. No job. No that job. We know of. Might be a drug dealer. But Li- still. Living, living in an apartment in New York City. Yeah. Small one bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it seems like late. It seems like he's late. Uh, <laughs> over uh, at Elaine's, she is faking talking on a car phone by holding a hairdryer up to the phone because you know paul has picked up the phone the the long talker and she's like oh you know i'm, I'm in a uh, car, i'm on a car phone so i don't have long i just want to talk to noreen but she still gets stuck talking to paul in a conversation and <laughs> you know it, it fades to her like sitting down still holding the hairdryer up to the phone and and then like turning it on and off saying oh the car's out of gas i gotta go <laughs> okay can you can you explain this to me did car phones notoriously have like bad audio quality is that is that what the hair dryer was supposed to be was, the hair, guess, was the hair dryer the, supposed to be like the wind going by probably a little bit of both probably accomplishing both goals of like early cell phone technology not really being there being very fuzzy and then also the sound of being in a car you know yeah. just that ambient car noise that doesn't really get picked up much anymore um that, you know, probably a little bit of both is the way she was trying to go about it. Over at uh, the Hunan restaurant, whatever it is, Jerry's waiting for his uh, date, Donna Chang. And he has a weird interaction with a smoker here that seemed like just a joke. Jerry was like, I want to put this in. It's going to be funny. Because the guy's <laughs> smoking inside, which is a very 90s, like, odd uh, image to see. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Smoking in the waiting area of a restaurant. God. Um, but then he's like, you know, he asked Jerry if he minds. Like, no, I uh, secondhand smoke two packs a day. Oh, good lord! And like, um, huh? I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I guess that was. I don't know. <laughs> um, the only thing I think is that maybe secondhand smoke was like news at the time. In the maybe 90s. Like, maybe they were maybe. just realizing that was a thing. I, I don't know. I feel like the, I feel uh, like ninety four would be late for that though. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know when. Uh, that's all I can think is that it was like kind of a buzzy thing at the time, and that was Jerry's hot take on it. <laughs> uh, but Donna Chang comes in, and she's a blonde woman, and she's not Chinese, you know. And she's like, "Oh, you uh, did you think I was Chinese?" And Jerry's like, "Oh no, I." Uh, she's like, "Oh well, you know, the family name wasn't originally Chang; it was Changstein, which is a joke that I'm not sure that I get." No, I'm, I'm not sure either, uh, but. <laughs> Is is this Anna Gunn? I don't think so, but it does look like her. Remember, Jerry already dated Anna Gunn, but that, that doesn't preclude her from appearing as someone else on the show. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I, this is so I, weird. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that, that's why I was really confused. I'm like, that, he already dated a, a character <laughs> that Anna Gunn played. When was she in it? When When was her episode? She played the episode with the horse, um, um, where George sees uh, someone kissing a horse, and he thinks it's his. Um, oh, that's right, that's right. Um, okay, I think that was like the beginning of season four. Does Something that sound like right? That. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh God. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I look at look at how many characters Larry David oh, has played. Was that the gla- <laughs> That wasn't the glasses, was it? I think that was the glasses. Because I know it involves George and his his glasses. Um, Donna Chang was played by 
Angela Dorman. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Looked like she was on Nash Bridges for a while. Oh, and another Star Trek actor. She was on Voyager. Oh, wow. Okay. She played Ricky for a season. <laughs> lots, of star- lots of Star Trek people in this episode. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. not in this episode, but in this uh, run of episodes. Star Trek is another, another one of those shows that just needs new actors like all the damn time. You know, it's like <laughs> they, they just are always going somewhere to a new planet. There needs to be a new... Mm-hmm. you know government person they're talking or a new alien or whatever like it's just another one of those shows like law and order and like seinfeld that just need character actors constantly just a constant flow of one-off characters you know over in jerry's apartment jerry is accusing donna chang of false advertising and he thinks that she <laughs> likes being mistaken for being a chinese woman uh and also we find out that paul and noreen might be breaking up and it occurs to Jerry that it might be Elaine's fault once again that Noreen is ending a relationship mm-hmm. because whenever she calls and it's Paul, she hangs up and it's happened a lot. So maybe she's having an affair <laughs> is what Paul might be thinking. Meanwhile, Kramer comes in with an armful of his jockey briefs and he's trying <laughs> to get him out of his house because if they're just one pair, he's going to wear it and he needs to get off jockeys and he hates his boxers too. Uh, this is a great physical bit all the way through. I mean, Kramer just steals this scene like, chasing mm-hmm. Jerry around his apartment with these boxers, throwing them on a table. Like uh, he hates the, the boxers are like bunching up. He's like grabbing in his pants. Um, he gets uh, rightly so applause for this, you know, the great physical comedy that he's pulling off in the middle of this scene. But yeah, like he even says like, I'm flipping, I'm flopping. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Over at Monk's, George and his dad are having lunch and George's dad is upset that, that Jerry and Elaine saw him in the city and didn't say hello. And that's pretty much that scene because George obviously is trying to find out why he was in the city with a guy in a cape, but his dad is hung up on this. But like the, the line that Frank delivers, like as soon as George says like, Oh yeah, I heard you were in the city uh, the other day. Your mother has to tell you every move I make. Yeah. He's shouting through the hole and the restaurant's noticing too. And he's like, (laughs) why didn't they say hello? (laughs) And the restaurant's all looking at him. And George is obviously embarrassed all to hell. <laughs> um, over in Jerry's apartment, uh, Donna Chang is there, and she's trying to figure out if the phone lines are, are, have been uncrossed, but they haven't. And then she says to Jerry, it's really getting ridiculous. Ooh. And Jerry and Jerry does a very slow burn here. Like, am I going to say something? Am I not? Gonna, like, they really sit on it for a long, long time, which I thought was pretty good comedic timing. Because, But then he does decide to go... Did you say ridiculous? And Donna goes, no, ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous. <sighs> and Jerry's like, okay. George comes in, and you know he uh, Donna he meets Donna, and she was like, oh, you're George. I spoke with your mom. Uh, we talked for over an hour. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to say like I'm really sorry. And he's like, sorry about what? Oh, you know, she said that she's getting a divorce. And George has a hilarious, he turns, without speaking, he turns to the oven, flips it on, and opens it up and puts his head in. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we, 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 we do get, like, one line from Jerry here where he he's just trying to kind of, like, bait Donna Chang into, yeah. like, subbing uh, an L for an R again. <laughs> because, like, it, George is wondering, like, how he was talking to her mother, and Jerry's like, oh, you know, the rhymes are crossed. <laughs> yeah. Don't <sighs> mean the rhymes are crossed? <laughs> I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> um, later in the apartment, Jerry and Elaine are talking about George's parents possibly getting a divorce. Uh, Jerry says, too bad they didn't do this 30 years ago. He could have been normal. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, George comes out of the bathroom where he's been by you know maybe going to the bathroom maybe just in there sulking or yelling or whatever but he's like he just realizes it's going to be double the amount of visits if they live separately (laughs) he's gonna have to go to two places now and so george is of course only he's not upset about his parents getting a divorce he's upset about the implications for his time Mm -hmm. it's all of course about george the reason why this is such a bad thing and george is like you know what i bet this has to do with the man in the cape uh, you, you know, I don't trust a man in a cape. And uh-huh. that's where Jerry stands up and says, well, you know what? Superman wears a cape and I'll be damned if I'm going to stand here and have him talked about like this. <laughs> and so George is like, all right, Superman's the exception. <laughs> but by the way, Superman is on the bookshelf. Yes, he in, is. In this scene and spoken of. So we get a double <laughs> dose here. Kramer comes in and he 
uh, seems a little bit more loose. And it is because, as Jerry is able to deduce, is that Kramer is freeballing. Oh, my God. Yeah, no briefs, no boxers, no nothing. I, I love Jerry's, you know, d- uh, Elaine's like, what? You know, he's like, don't you see what's going on here? Uh, and the only thing yeah, between J- us and him is a thin layer of gabardine. Yeah, Jerry gets it almost immediately, but it takes Elaine, like, uh, another, like, five seconds to just, yeah. like, for just to all wash over her, you know? Uh, and but- then this is a classic Kramer scene. <laughs> I'm out there, and I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> This is a great Kramer episode. I mean, he's he's it, it really he's is the star of this episode, even though he's not the front storyline. Um, but like Kramer also wants Elaine to put in a good word for him with Noreen, right? Because he heard that her and uh, what's his name, um, Paul, Paul are breaking up. Mm-hmm. I found the line as Kramer was leaving to be very odd. He's like, "I'm I'm like a naked innocent boy." Oh, yeah. What does that mean? I'm like a naked, innocent boy running through the countryside. Is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no I, idea. <laughs> I thought that was really, really weird. And I went back and looked just to see if I was like, is this an occasion where they went back and was it initially like naked Indian boy or something like that? Like, doesn't that make <laughs> as, as hard as it lands on the ear? Wouldn't it make a little bit more sense than naked, innocent boy? So uh, I went back and looked. Like I don't naked know. like that's not a, that's not a saying, you know? I but neither is naked Indian boy. I feel like it makes more sense than naked innocent boy. Okay, I don't know. Did, it, did you go back and look it up? No, I, I just kept going back into I kept on rewinding to see if I could if A, I was mishearing something, but no, the captions say innocent boy. Or if I could like read his lips and see if he was saying something different and it was overdubbed, but it didn't appear to be. So Okay. It's just it's just weird. <laughs> I thought it was just a weird phrase, but uh, I don't know. It is, but like in, a, in an episode like as problematic as this one, I was like, maybe that's something they went back and changed uh, in you know in the last couple of decades. <laughs> I, I I have a hard time believing that would be the thing that they would go back and change <laughs> out of everything in this episode. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I, I I don't think like oh you know uh, dropping the L's for R's that's totally fine. <laughs> Uh, but you know, we're going to change it to innocent boy. Yeah. It, I mean, this whole episode is weird. It's like almost saved by Jerry's weird logic of like, if I like them, it's not, you know, Donna Chang obviously likes being thought of as Asian. And so she's doing things out of that. It's not out of hate. You know, it's not like she's making, it's not like the, uh, the postal service. It's not like the episode with the native American, you know, where he asked the postal service guy and then he's like, Oh, you are American <laughs> hot dog, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not out of a place like yeah, that. It's, yeah. out of, it's out of some other, it's out of some other weird part of her psyche. I won't even say that it's like, I don't know what she gets out of it, but it, it, that, that might just be what saves the episode. I would love to hear from, from an actual Asian person, like whether this is offensive, you know what I mean? Because once again, we're talking as two white guys, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, "Oh, this is problematic," but then maybe it's not. I don't know. You know, I, I would love to know if if it is offensive or not. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, over at Monks, Paul does think the Noreen and, uh, and Elaine are having uh, some lunch, and Paul does think that Noreen is having an affair. Because someone keeps calling and hanging up, and Noreen's like, "What kind of sick person would do that?" And then Elaine gives an explanation as to what kind of sick person would do that. That basically gives it away that <laughs> it is her. And Noreen's yeah. like, "You know what? What were you thinking?" She, and yeah, she, and Elaine calls. Yeah, she admits it without admitting it, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe this person knew that Paul picked up the phone and talked a lot, and they didn't want to talk to Paul because he's very boring or whatever. <laughs> and so, but after Noreen's shocked that this is Elaine that's been hanging up, she's like. So you thought he was boring? Uh, and Elaine's like, well, you know, don't go by what I think. Do You know, whatever you. So uh, kind of mimicking the scene that we just had about Dan's voice being so high and Noreen never having realized that before. So now she's obsessed with maybe Paul is kind of boring. Back at the apartment, Jerry is kind of laying into Elaine about this being the second relationship, as I just mentioned, the second relationship for Noreen that she has ruined. And Elaine evidently has a history of influencing this woman that we're learning about. A, Elaine convinced her to join the army because she seemed lost. And then she convinced Noreen to go AWOL because it seemed like she wasn't having that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of troubling. And then Donna comes in and she has convinced Estelle to not get a divorce. And they've 
been invited over her and Jerry to have some coffee or dinner or something like that. I forget what she said. Lunch. I don't know. Just invited over to the Costanzas. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, Oh, that reminds me. I got to cancel my acupuncture class, <laughs> which gets an eye roll from Jerry yeah. and Elaine, because of course that's, you know, uh, well-known Far Eastern medicine. Um, did you catch uh, whenever Donna comes in, uh, Jerry calls her Miss Changstein, almost, yeah, almost yeah. trying to like call her by her full original name to <laughs> yeah. kind of like make it feel uh, better, I guess. Does that make sense? Make him feel better? Ma- or make, ma- what? Make, make him feel better about still dating her. Yeah, and I think he also wants to her to admit that she's you know that she's not chinese you know i think that's yeah that's also getting him like he knows something's going on there too so i think it was kind of like a goading like oh there's miss changstein <laughs> you know it's like jerry it's Chang, it's just chang you know or whatever there was a little bit of that too but yeah I, I noticed he calls her by her full name over at the costanzas the george comes in and he's like you know this divorce is not happening and then they break the news to him that they are is got not going to be a divorce and george is very happy about that once again for selfish reasons george finally finds out who the guy in the cape was that's frank costanza's lawyer <laughs> because he doesn't follow the trends he's very independent yeah and that's to, why he was wearing a cape to which his mom says he looks ridiculous in that thing and frank just screams <laughs> you have no eye for fashion <laughs> yeah and which she starts yelling back and then george like <laughs> ca- tries to calm him down before anything else happens God. Uh, in the <laughs> in jerry's car on the way over uh, Jerry's asking Donna, you know, what did you, you know, what did you say to Elaine? And Donna's like, well, I just uh, gave her some advice from uh, some wisdom of Confucius. <laughs> and there's a beat, and then Jerry goes, you know, you're not Chinese, <laughs> uh, which I feel like we don't get enough of. Um, we don't get enough satisfaction from the end of this episode. You know, I, I, I guess she just did like. I, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but. We don't get any satisfaction of her going, oh, I know, but I like it when people think that. I guess we're just supposed to assume that's what yeah, the case th- is. And there's, there's she's no, not going to stop, so. Yeah, there's no resolution here. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it just kind of, it, it peaks with this, I think, doesn't it? It do- I would say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in, in the next scene over at George's parents, Estelle is dismayed and shocked that Donna Chang is not Chinese, in fact. And we get another quick cut to Elaine calling Noreen. And Kramer answers the phone, and he will not let Elaine talk to Noreen because now Kramer is going to be calling the shots for Noreen. And he's, first of all, encouraging her to rejoin the army. Oh. <laughs> That's where she'll get the structure that she needs and have officers telling her what to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the army's just going to willingly scoop up a woman in uh, probably her late 30s. It- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, she had to have suffered some sort of consequences for going AWOL. I mean, they don't just don't, like, wipe their hands of all that. Yeah, why would, they, why would they welcome her back? I don't know. Uh, back at George's, we cut back to George's, and Estelle is saying that the divorce is back on because she thought she was listening to advice from a Chinese woman, but she wasn't. And George is like, what's the difference? You know, uh, you got the advice. What is the difference does it make? And Estelle says, I'm not going to take advice from some girl from Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> and then George rushes after her to try to, you know, try to salvage the marriage just so he doesn't have to go <laughs> visit them, you know, on the same day at the same time or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, or do do double the trips because uh, we cut to a street a little bit later. George is getting out of a cab and talking about how it started already. He saw both his parents in one day uh, separately. He had lunch with his mom and then he went to his dad's and had and they played Clue. <laughs> and then Kramer yells out the window that the the Kramer name might live on because Noreen is late. She's late. Oh, and boy. That is pretty much the end of the episode proper. We do get one little stinger. No more stand-up. Uh, we didn't get, I guess we don't get any more racially charged uh, Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> humor. Um, it's from the Brooklyn Bridge. And earlier when Elaine, when Jerry was talking to Elaine, he was like, you better not tell her to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, we're on the Brooklyn Bridge now, and Noreen is about to jump. But sidling from off camera comes the man in the cape, who grabs her arm right yeah, before she he, jumps. He like slinks in too. Yeah. He, he doesn't yeah. just like gently walk up or surprise her. I mean, you don't want to surprise her, but <laughs> uh, he just, he almost does like a crab walk in. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 He like sidles, he like slides in um, and she goes, you know, who are you? And he's like, 
I'm Frank Costanza's lawyer. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> how, how, is she suppo- was how is she supposed to know like who Frank Costanza is? Yeah. One. And, and that's his only client, too. I'm Frank <laughs> Costanza's lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hilarious. And also, like, it, it goes back to George's whole speech about how you shouldn't trust men in capes, but Superman has a cape, and so... You know, anybody that wears a cape is kind of a superhero, I guess, is what the what the kind of the extra little joke is. <laughs> did, uh, lawyer. did you see I, I know we had like a bunch of product placement last week. Did you see how they avoided product placement this week? No, I, I didn't know because I, I did notice when George is pouring himself a drink that he's pouring um, 10K energy drink. Uh, like the, it's like the Gatorade that we talked about from uh, an episode in the gym. Oh, back. no, I didn't see that. Uh, but like, but what else? Oh wait, I didn't wait. Oka Ola. Yeah, it, it was it was a uh, uh, Ka Ola, I think. Ka Ola, yeah. <laughs> uh, Which kind of sounds like cola when you say. Ka- I'll have a Ka Ola. I'll have a Ka Ola. That and Ka-ola. right next to it, there was a Snap L. <laughs> they, they just blurred out, or they uh, they painted over the E at the end of Snapple. Yeah, and, and I noticed there the Modelo, the beer they were selling. They like blacked out one of the. Um, lines on the m so it looked like no dello not <laughs> modello yeah i didn't catch that oh my god <laughs> yeah. uh yes I'll I, have I, a ola and a no dello and a no dello <laughs> oh wait you know i don't want to drink just give me a snap l <laughs> snap l <laughs> yeah i did i did notice that i thought it was pretty funny i don't know why they do that when uh, coca-cola is one of the most recognizable brand names in the universe like, why did they feel the need to do that? I have no idea. Because, I mean, I, I guess if you blur out any, or not blur out, but uh, paint over any of the letters, you're not using their logo. Yeah. Uh, so they can't ding you for, like, uh, tr- uh, trademark infringement, I guess. I guess I guess that's what it would be, yeah. Because I, I thought you could just use, you know, uh, labels. Just Think of all the cereals that we see, you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe they're turned so we can't tell. I, I think I could tell that Elaine was eating Raisin Bran. Yeah, most of the cereal we see is turned so you can only see the nutrition information. Yeah, but I could, de- I mean, I definitely knew that purple box, you know, but maybe just because it wasn't straight on. I don't know if they'd owe any money for using a trademark logo or if they really just didn't want, if the network's like, no, we're not, there's no logo if there's no money, you know yeah. what I mean? Something like that. I don't know. It was kind of, it was very hilarious. Though. I was like, wow, what could that be? Kaola. <laughs> oh man okay did we did we have any homework for today for this week i feel like no i don't think anything came up um if you've written a uh a doctoral thesis or a master's thesis on you know race fetishization please you know forward it to us i'll 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 (laughs) check that out but uh besides that (laughs) all right uh did we did we want to come up with a better description we can try. I don't know if we'll be able to. All right. So we had George's crossed phone lines acquaint the gang with a woman who isn't what she seems. Hmm. I, I don't hate that. I don't. Yeah, no, I don't hate it. I mean, I would take out the only thing I would change is no, I guess that that um, that sort of blows the reveal because, you know, uh, crosses paths with a woman who, you know, is pretending to be something she's not. Yeah, I think that. Um, but then again, I guess we we said we never really got any resolution on that. Exactly. We don't we don't know if she's intentionally pretending to be Chinese. She might right, right. she might just be into worldly culture. She might study Confucius. She might just yeah. actually like going to acupuncture. We don't know that. That's true. That's true. It all may be a coincidence. <laughs> her her name might just be Changstein, and she shortened it to Chang for professional reasons. We don't know. Yeah, that's totally true. So, all right, I guess I like it. She's not what she seems. <laughs> to the to the gang. To the gang. Yeah, she's what she seems to herself, but she's not what she seems to them. Exactly. Oh, my God. Like okay, uh, so next week we've got Season 6, Episode 5, The Couch. Original air date, October 27th, 1994. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Elaine dates the guy who delivered Jerry's new couch. <laughs> wow, short very, and sweet. Very cut and dry. <laughs> Man, I, I, it doesn't even ring a bell. I'm uh, I'm excited to see what this episode brings. Oh man. Uh, okay. So what? Uh, all in all, what did you think of this episode, Ben? Uh, I know. I mean, it's it's definitely you know in the pantheon of episodes that people remember, and I think it's just because of the subject matter. But I didn't. Uh, you know, it's it's not one of my favorites. I don't even remember like laughing too much. 
And it's not even like anything problematic about it. Like I just didn't know if it was all that funny. Honestly, I think Frank probably made me laugh the most, as he always does. Yeah. I, I, uh, so I, yeah. I, I think I'm right there with you. I, I think the the things that had the potential to be incredibly problematic weren't necessary the most. I, I mean, definitely not as problematic as things that we've seen so far in the run of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's a little it's a little iffy, but it's not full on uh, problematic. I, I would say. Yeah, and so and it wasn't and it wasn't that that might have made it less funny. You know, I wasn't focused on that, like oh I'm not laughing. Right, at right. This I just wasn't laughing because just because you know. <laughs> right, I, I get you. Yeah. So uh, how did you how did you feel about the episode as a whole? Uh, I it was bland. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to go into more detail with it. I, I thought it was. Um, I, I, I I'm with you on Frank being the highlight of the episode. That <laughs> and Kramer. Uh, yes. I, mean, I mean, we even said this, this is a great Kramer episode. Uh, and I mean, how many episodes have we had where the B story outshines the A story? <laughs> Doesn't happen often. It, not really. But when it does, uh, it's the, it, it just makes you totally forget the A story. Uh, I mean, yeah. in it, not in just like the uh, frame of the episode, but in looking back on the episode too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this this gives us one of those line, the one of those Kramer lines. You know, I'm loving every minute of it. That's a Seinfeld greatest hits quote, and I, I think it's just remembered because of the you know interesting subject matter of like a woman, you know, her name Donna Chang, and she's not Chinese. Like, I think that sticks out to people, but I don't think the episode as it as a whole holds up. I think it's just remembered. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's just a memorable episode, but not because it was it's one of the funniest. Uh, OK, so is that it? <laughs> That's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Haldwell. Be good. Be good.